going from the mm-hmm. sciences to HOD, especially a lot of kids at Vanderbilt will say, yeah, it's a total stereotype of like, oh, you couldn't handle pre-med, so now you're HOD. Um, but I knew it was like I there was a different path for me. Like it just wasn't really catering to my strengths and interests. Welcome to the Panic Room, where we explore life by embracing chaos and celebrating setbacks. I'm your host, Sophia Yen. In this episode, I speak with Kayla Vine, who forgone the traditional path of being a physician. Instead, she poured her passion for health and wellness into her own instant smoothie brand, Mighty Blend. Kayla shares with us her journey of navigating entrepreneurship as a young female. Get ready for some tips on how to maximize your health and turn your problem into the next innovative idea. All right, let's start the show. Hi, Kayla. Welcome to the show. Hey, Sophia. It's great to be here. Thank you. So um, let's start us off by giving a well-style introduction. So the first W stands for who you are. And the O stands for what's your origin story, and the second W stands for what's going on in your life now. Oh, goodness. Let's see. (laughs) So who I am. um, Well, right now I'm a senior at Vanderbilt um, (laughs) and majoring in human and organizational development with a minor in business. And uh, in the past year, I've also started my own health and wellness uh, brand, an instant smoothie for busy people on the, um, called Mighty Blends with a Z at the end. Um, and as far as my origin story, let's see, I grew up outside of Chicago in a suburb called St. Charles. And let's see, in high school, I was always really athletic. I played a lot of different sports, but for the longest time, probably played lacrosse. Um, and throughout my high school experience. I also got really into academics and kind of simultaneously while striving to be an awesome athlete and great student, I really found health and wellness is this amazing tool to uh, really be the best in all areas of my life. I found that it impacted how I felt and how I performed and everything I loved to do. So I got really into learning about nutrition and athletic training. Um, And that's kind of my peak of what piqued my interest in health and wellness. And then from there, I always thought I wanted to be a doctor or maybe get my PhD in nutrition or something down the medical route. Um, But about halfway through college, I was pretty deep into some biochemistry classes. (laughs) And I was like, I don't think this is the right thing for me. I, um, something isn't clicking here. I love talking about science and health and wellness nutrition and how it impacts our everyday lives. But uh, so I totally pivoted to HOD at Vanderbilt um, and more in more of a business direction in the hopes that I would focus more so on the business side of health and wellness origin story. And what am I missing? Um, What's happening in your life now? What's happening in my life now? Well, I big things. I just signed a job offer for my full time uh, post grad job. So that's really exciting. Um, And I'm running Mighty Blends, which is also super exciting. And then kind of just finishing out senior year. Um, Mm -hmm. Mighty Blends has is coming up almost on a year of um, existing one year birthday, which is crazy. Um, and I like can't believe how far it, it's come and um, all the big things that are coming up too. 
Wow, thank you for sharing. <laughs> Going from the sciences to HOD, especially a lot of kids at Vanderbilt will say, yeah, it's a total stereotype of like, oh, you couldn't handle pre-med, so now you're HOD. Um, but I knew it was like I there was a different path for me. Like it just wasn't really catering to my strengths and interests. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't think it was that emotional decision. I also knew that like health and wellness and nutrition would be is such a big part of my life outside of my like professional things that I do. So I knew like, hey, even if I go into a business career that has nothing to do with health and wellness, like it's a core facet of who I am. Um, Mm -hmm. So it's not that I'm abandoning it. What are some health tips that's very (laughs) easy to execute and brings out the best in you? (laughs) Oh gosh. Um, Well, I think like health is such a, um, it's a vague term. There's a lot that plays into health. I think like your some key t- like core tenets of health are going to be like what your your inputs, right? Everything you're putting into your body, and then like exercise and movement is also a huge core tenant. Uh, and then also sleep and recovery, I think, is really highly underestimated. And a lot of times people will put so much effort into like exercising all the time and eating like super clean. But really, like I think none of that matters if you're not getting like the right number of hours of sleep, but also mm. high quality sleep. Okay. I really think like honestly, sleep is first, which is crazy because <laughs> a lot of people might argue you know, that you need to put the other things first. They all are so important, but if you're not sleeping, like that is the biggest thing I think for your health that you can do. Um, so that's my number one sleep tip. I am I have a lot of like twerky things I do that, um, for that. my sleep, but- um, So what, what's I, like your favorite <laughs> like sleep, sleep theory? Well, I'm a big blue, blue light like limit blue uh, okay. light in the evenings person. So my whole family makes fun of me because I'll come down if we're watching like a show as a family. And well, I didn't want to buy like the $400 prescription like <laughs> blue light glasses. So I'll layer my glasses. I've got my blue light ones or my red blue light ones or blue blockers. And then on top of those, I put my regular glasses so I can oh, see, wow. Oh, wow. <laughs> which I look kind of funny. Right? Right. <laughs> but um, it, I think it works. Um, but uh-huh. that's one of mine. And then um, I think just like trying to limit like eating too close to bed is a big one for me when it comes to sleep. I like that. Yeah. Thank you for sharing. <laughs> so that's a digression. So going back to you pivoting to a more business focused career. And you said at the time when you transitioned from neuroscience to HOD, which is a close to a business major mm-hmm. um, for those listeners who go who don't go to Vanderbilt. At the time, you were you thinking about eventually starting your own business at all? Or another question will be, how did Mighty Blends come to be? Yeah. So, okay, two totally separate questions. First, no, I was not thinking of starting a business. I had, like, always been, like, I'd say entrepreneurship curious. I, we watched Shark Tank like almost religiously <laughs> growing up. It was our family thing and we watch it oh, wow. um, all the time. And I even, when I was a kid, I would have like a little, I had this invention journal. <laughs> so it was just like all of my ideas and I'd sketch them out and write them down anytime it like came to me. Um, so I always liked that kind of creative problem solving perspective. Um, 
I think that Shark Tank honestly inspired from a young age, but I never wanted to like start a business very young. I always thought like, especially when I pivoted to business, I thought, okay, I want to work for really awesome companies that I love what they're doing, learn as much about business as I can. And then maybe someday in like my thirties or forties, I'll start a business Mm -hmm. um, was what I thought. And then, um, but I think the funny thing about entrepreneurship is like, it all is like, it's like problem solving right and so when you find something where there's a gap in the space you know time is very of the essence right because I my personal belief like I think if you don't if you realize there's a gap in a particular space then you have to go and do that or maybe partner with somebody to fill that gap and if you wait too long like somebody else will so I think like it's time is very of the essence with those things and I had a moment like that because, and I think here's the other thing with entrepreneurship is you, in order to really see those problems, you have to be really immersed in the space. Like I was so immersed in, I think like the health and wellness space and like health food product space for so many years, like that long kind of experience and exposure to everything and knowing every niche wellness product and food brand, only then was I able to see the gap that I think I saw for Mighty Blends because I knew the space so well. Um, So I guess on that note, how did I start Mighty (laughs) Blends? I will say it was about this time last year, so November 2020. And since I was like 15 or 16, I have had a very specific smoothie formula. I've loved smoothies because they're a really easy way to get in the macro and micronutrients I need early in my day. Also with the digestive issues I had growing up, it was really nice because I knew every ingredient I put into my smoothie, I watched those ingredients go in and there wasn't anything else added that might irritate um, my gut or digestive system or trigger a migraine. So I kind of had complete control with what was going into that smoothie. And at the same time, I was able to be really specific about the core components. And that's kind of when I started um, building this or kind of curating this smoothie structure of um, leafy grains, protein, healthy fats, um, and fiber were like the core kind of things I put into my smoothie. And that could change. You know, if I did like a strawberry smoothie, I might have a vanilla protein and then, um, you know, for my fat source, I might use a little bit of coconut milk or MCT for my fiber. I might use flax or chia. Um, and then let's say protein. And then I would add, um, leafy greens, maybe a, a spinach or something. And then I'd put some strawberries in. So it was kind of the structure that I could kind of curate whatever smoothie flavor, whether it was strawberry or chocolate peanut butter or um, minty greens or just plain vanilla greens or whatever it was. Um, And so I'd kind of curated that all throughout from when I was like 15 or 16 um, through college. I I actually like had a bullet blender in my dorm room when I first came to Vanderbilt. (laughs) And I would essentially like grocery shop at the dining hall salad bar so Mm -hmm, I would mm -hmm. (laughs) go and I got a lot of strange looks in the dining hall when I would like check out with an entree and three sides of spinach but then I would take that spinach and I put it into my like baggie in my dorm freezer and I had my bullet blender and it allowed me to kind of carry that you know I think food structure 
into my college experience, especially like being a busy student on the go. I didn't know what was going into the dining hall food, but this way, like I knew, you know, what I was eating so that it would make me feel my best. Um, but then I kind of had this thought, like I've been so, you know, I love this smoothie. It's an awesome way to make me feel good. And a lot of other people like smoothies for the same reasons, but, um, you know, when I'm on the go, it's really inconvenient, right? I don't want to have to drag a bullet blender everywhere. I don't, um, you know, want to, I think, go to a smoothie shop um, like a Smoothie King or Jamba Juice or something because a lot of them have t added sugars in their smoothies or just a lot of fruit and they don't have that nice protein, healthy fats, fiber, greens model um, where it's really balancing blood sugar and satiating you rather than just spiking your blood sugar and leaving you hangry. Oh, yeah, um, that's definitely my smoothies, <laughs> just fruits and milk, and that's all I eat. Until one of my friends told me, like, you're just feeling good about, my, about yourself by drinking those. It's not really doing you a lot of favors. I'm like, okay. It sounds like I, I like your formula. It does sound very appealing. So yeah. at some point, was it getting challenging to incorporate that into your daily routine? Yeah, I think, well, I was having the thought, like, when I'm, if I'm traveling or thinking like whenever I'm on the go, even if it's like I go to a workout class and then I need to run to a meeting or something afterwards, um, you know, just whether you're a busy student, you know, busy young professional, a parent, you know, like running around on the go and you don't want to kind of settle for like food that you don't know will meet your health goals. It'd be amazing if there was something that you could take on the go that had those protein, healthy fats, leafy greens, and fiber without any, you know, added junk. So I started basically the, like, first thing I did was I was not at that point thinking I want to, like, start a business and create this thing. I was literally like, okay, where can I find this? And I scoured the market and I like looked for all the possible solutions and I couldn't find anything that had those kind of core components of it. There's a ton of protein powders, of course, that's the most popular one. And then recently more greens powders, sometimes fiber powders, um, but there was nothing like that incorporated all these, you know, kind of core tenants all in one. Well, I had the realization, I was like, there's nothing like this that has all those things and doesn't have added junk, no artificial sugars or preservatives, emulsifiers, gums, um, what else? I mean, like regular sugars, a ton of fruit, a ton of carbohydrates. Like um, I eat mostly paleo, so I try to stay away from like a lot of grains. They just don't make me feel the best. But a lot of the things out there was like brown rice protein, oat like powder and like all these grains packed into the shake I'm like okay this is gonna spike your blood sugar one <laughs> and two like I for people like me that have like gut sensitivities like I can't do all the grains in this one um so I think that was the moment where I was like wow there's nothing out there that kind of has these things without all the you know bs that a lot of these other brands have in them oh wow that's crazy because as someone who drinks obviously sugary smoothie, <laughs> I'm not very well versed or in the market search for meal replacement or powder proteins. But from my impression, you know, I do see a lot of those options out there. So how would you say, like, kind of summarize how is Mighty Blends different from what's out there in the market? Yeah, I think a couple of things. One, I think Mighty Blends 
is aims to be more of a meal replacement. Of course, everybody's body is different, so some people need more, um, you know, nutrients than others. But for the most part, it's not designed to just be another snack, you know, because I think there's so many wellness products that are like another snack. But I'm a like big kind of three meals a day person, and I don't want to be snacking or thinking about food all the time. You know, I want to be focusing on what gets me excited, um, and so. I think one meal replacement two it's i think the cleanest label meal replacement out there we have no we use monk fruit as our sweetener um but other than that we have no added sugars no artificial sugars um no preservatives gums emulsifiers you know you name it it's super clean label paleo um and also i think the lower carb content that's probably the third Thing that really differentiates Mighty Blends is that um, we only have one net carb. So net carb meaning total carbohydrates minus fiber um, because the fiber, the carbs that are fiber, um, they don't spike your blood sugar in the way um, that another non-fibrous carb would. Um, so net carbs, a lot of times people who are keto will look at net carbs on a particular product in order to decide like, can I eat this or not? Is it going to take me out of ketosis? So um, it's not exclusively a keto product, but it does work for people who are maybe keto curious or just want to keep their carbs low. I'm learning so much about (laughs) just nutrition facts, this being very enlightening. After the break, Kayla talks about the specific challenges of being a female entrepreneur. This woman was really straight with me. She was like, you are young and you're a woman, you're not going to get funding. And I was like, whoa. And how she manages her time as a sole founder and CEO of Mighty Blends. Stay tuned after the break. Everyone knows entrepreneurship is an exciting yet difficult journey to embark on. So what are some challenges you have encountered along the way? Let's see. Oh my gosh, there's there are many. <laughs> um, I think like the first one probably is, I think this is also part of being like a solar pr- solopreneur versus having like a team of founders or just a co-founder in general. Um, it's just like, self-doubt and questioning comes into play a lot and I with a lot that I do I try to bounce off ideas off of mentors um even I mean my parents are always awesome and I bounce ideas off of them too but I think a challenge of that is finding like this balance between um like self-assurance um and also you know, getting other people's opinions, but making sure that those other people's opinions are actually like your target customers or the people that you would want to be selling to. Because I think it's hard because a lot of times we go to naturally as entrepreneurs, like the people who love us and who are closest to us, our friends and our family, to get validation from them when maybe they're not your target consumers and they don't have the right idea opinions on um, whether or not your idea is good or whether or not this new direction you're going in your business is the right way. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think like having awareness of that has been a challenge for me. I also think that, um, gosh, what was I going to say? The like self doubt 
And also, I think like asking people all of those questions, a lot of times it can dilute your vision. So finding a balance between like asking for help, validating your opinion with people who are your target market, but also like having persistence of vision um, and being able to stick to that because sometimes like it ends up being like, okay, I've gathered all this data from what people say. And then I have to kind of make a gut feeling decision on where I want to go with a particular business decision, which I think can be nerve wracking. Um, but I think that's something I've learned is, you know, stick staying true to a vision is really vital. Otherwise, you don't really any longer have a brand. It just becomes so diluted that it doesn't really have a strong character. People know what it stands for. Overall, I just think it's very awesome that you are conscious of the market research you're doing and still trying to keep your vision in mind. Um, at the end of the day, I feel the consumers can tell you the difficulties they have, the problems they want to solve, but they wouldn't be probably as innovative at coming up with the best solution as probably you are who has done so much research in the market and in combination with personal experience. So next up, I would like to learn more. So entrepreneurship traditionally hasn't been known for as the most friendly field or industry for females. So as a female entrepreneur, are there any unique challenges and experience you would like to share with the audience? Let's see. Well, I think particularly with female entrepreneurship, I think there have, first off, there have been a lot of awesome changes, I think, in this arena. I think um, there's a lot more emphasis on uh, buying from women-owned brands. Even you can get like women-owned on your product um, on the back. And normally that will, I think, studies show that those products sell more than other products that don't say women-owned on them, depending on the product category. Um, but I think particularly the biggest challenges for women in this space are probably related to funding, um, which I honestly was pretty naive to, I think. I'm not at the stage yet where I'm going into VC funding funding yet by any means, and I'm not even sure if that's the route for Mighty Blends. Right now, every I've been completely bootstrapped financially and am planning to do that for as long as I can, but I know that someday down the line, I might have to go the venture capital route and it might be the best thing for Mighty Blends. Um, but I think a big shocker recently, I was talking with a mentor of mine and she was pretty recent. We were like, we're just kind of getting to know each other. Um, but she was very direct with me with everything, which I think was a bit um, of a shocker at first to me because normally it's like fun and kind of bubbly talking to other people, um, other founders and kind of what they've created and advice they have. Um, but this woman was really straight with me. She was like, you are young and you're a woman, you're not going to get funding. And I was like, whoa, that was like, I don't know, just a wake, big wake up moment. And I was really, I think, surprised to hear this because I thought, like from my perspective, I think the VC world has come a long way for um, in funding women. But it was so interesting because she said, um, you know, knowing this, you need to go like look up all the reasons that women don't get funded, you know, and really study up on those and get ahead of them so that um, you don't fall into these common pitfalls. And I thought that was like the best advice because I would much rather know 
what I'm up against, you know, in the mountain that I need to climb rather than, you know, being told it's a hill or, you know, flat. Mm -hmm. So I think it's nice to know what I'm up against and keeping that in mind for the future so I can, like, exactly as she said, get ahead of it. You touched on this earlier. Um, So being um, single or the solo entrepreneur founder of your brand, how do you exactly manage your time effectively or hold yourself accountable? I'm very curious to know your answer to this question (laughs) as a college student who just can't seem to get it together. Um, Let's see. Well, I think accountability is like something that is tough for me because I don't have anyone that I'm directly reporting to or checking in on goals. Like I have to be the one checking in with myself for goals that I set and staying true to those and staying on track for the things I want to achieve. So I think it's something I'm constantly working to improve because it's really easy to push back a deadline and say, I wanted to do this then, but I'm going to push it back because nobody really knows but me. Um, So I think like a lot of it is just creating really strong systems. I like love a huge book that has really helped with my development is Atomic Habits. And there's a quote in there. It's like, you're only as strong as the systems that you fall back on. Like you can't, you're not going to be your perfect, best, highest willpower self all the time. And when you're not, you're going to fall back on whatever systems or lack of systems you have in place. So I think that I always try to set up really strong systems, which is, um, I think, when I say systems, more so referring to um, just like the little operational things, like how I set up my calendar, how I plan things, how I um, like business calendars and things like that. So that there's actually like a system going on for, it's a lot easier to follow through on the goal if I have all the steps written out and planned in specific days and times versus a really kind of lofty goal for a month in advance with no key milestones and small tasks to get there. So I think something I do is always like trying to break down tasks into as small of pieces as possible and scheduling time for those. So not just like having a list of tasks, but I plug things into my calendar and we'll, you know, if it's, I want to create more blog content for Mighty Blends, just scheduling like every Friday at three o'clock, I'm going to write a new blog or, um, whatever it is, kind of creating these micro tasks and then putting them into my calendar as like specific dates. And I really try as hard as possible not to push them off. And it's really hard. I think your journey sounds to me are pretty much guided by your passion for health, wellness, optimizing your body's performance and spreading wellness to other people as well. So based on your experience so far do you think passion is something that is innate in us and just waiting for you to discover it or do you feel like passion is something that needs to be cultivated over time gosh i think that's a hard one i think i don't think passion is innate in that people are born with it necessarily Um, i think it's a matter of what you're exposed to over time i also think it's a matter of like solving problems, especially when it is personal. At least that has been the case for me. Like health and wellness has helped my life in so many ways, especially moving through the horrible migraines I had as a kid and the digestive issues and figuring out, you know, how to solve through that. It's made it 
and cultivated it as a passion of mine. So I think the answer would probably be passion is cultivated. And but it's not to say that you get to choose it 100%. I think it's just kind of the cards you're dealt and the problems that you are going to have to solve and um, the particular solutions that might solve those, um, I think, end up becoming your passion in, in a way, one way or another. Kayla for coming to the show and thank you listeners for tuning in. Today's episodes and cover art are produced by me. To find out more about Kayla's smoothie on the go for busy people, go to www.mightyblends.com. And to collaborate with me, you can find me on Instagram at the panic room sy. Thank you listeners and until next time.